Welcome to the Building Great Lives podcast, a podcast about real life, real issues, and finding real answers to life's most difficult questions. And now your host, Trent Gillum. Greetings, everyone. Trent here. Welcome to episode number 66 of the podcast. I'm glad you've joined the Building Great Lives journey. And before we get started, as always, I'd like to say a huge thank you to our monthly ministry partners and to you, the listener. You make this ministry possible, and I'm excited to have you on the Building Great Lives team here at the Building Great Lives podcast. It's our desire to help people from around the world grow, heal, discover, and fulfill their unique purpose. Thank you for sharing these episodes. We're praying these messages of hope reach every possible person in every possible nation. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of seeing others through the eyes of Jesus. Way back in episode number three of the podcast, we talked about the importance of seeing ourselves through the eyes of God. We often view ourselves through the lens of our past, our pain, or our regrets. While we may have experienced all of those things, it's important to remember that God does not see us through those things. We are his children. He doesn't see you as the mistakes you've made. He loves you, and I'm thankful that he sees us as he has made us and not as we have made ourselves. Just as God is teaching us to see ourselves as he sees us, he also desires for us to see others as he sees them as well. It's natural for people to perceive things based on sight or learned behaviors. We all do it. We see people through the eyes of our own upbringing, beliefs, and preferences. We can even perceive certain things based on where a person was born. However, when we see people through the eyes of the supernatural, we will no longer see them according to where they were born, the tone of their skin, their financial standing, or their world view. When we see others through the eyes of Jesus, we will see them in two categories. First, we'll see them as reconciled unto God, or the second category, those that are not That's what it is like to see through the eyes of Jesus. There's only those that have been reached and the unreached. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And while we know both Jews and Gentiles, free and slaves, male and female certainly exist, Jesus is saying something very powerful. He's saying that all of those, both Jews and Gentiles, those that are born free and those that are slaves, both male and female, they are all equal in value in his sight. None are more important than the other. They are all loved by God. This 
would have been something that the Jews really struggled with in that day. The Jewish people were very nationalistic, and while there is certainly nothing wrong with loving where you were born, we must always remind ourselves that the kingdom culture of our spiritual birth must always come first. We must make sure that we are seeing others through the lens of our new birth more than through the preconceived ideas that we developed in the natural world. And this takes a lot of work. It took a lot of work for the Jews, and it certainly took a lot of work for the first church. We find that as they struggled with trying to figure out the path forward when the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. That same struggle is alive and well in the world today. We must make sure that we are focused on learning from the Spirit, not only seeing ourselves as God sees us, but also seeing others as God sees them. When we begin to see others as God sees them, we will develop a burden for them like never before. We'll understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did not just give himself for a part of the world. He did not just give himself for one culture, but he gave himself for every man. It's not the will of God that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is the will of God for us to understand that everyone, even those that we see as completely different from us, they may dress different, they may look different, they may sound different, their language may be different, the color of their skin may be different, but they are no less important than those that think like we do or dress like we do or look like we do. In the eyes of God, every single person from every background is valuable and worthy to be saved. I want us to take a look at two case studies in today's episode, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we can look at the story of Jonah and the city of Nineveh. In Jonah chapter number one, we find the call of God that came to Jonah, and he told him to go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness had come up before the Lord. And he was to preach repentance to those that lived in Nineveh. We see that Jonah rose up and fled. He went to Joppa and he fled on a ship toward Tarsus. God told Jonah to go preach repentance in the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And for many decades, Nineveh was the largest city in the world. No wonder Jonah felt the way he did. Israel had a long history with the Assyrians. According to 1 Chronicles chapter number 5, the Assyrians invaded the kingdom of the north and took many of the children of Israel captive. Jonah would have known this story. During the time of Jonah's prophecies, many of the Jews were still living in exile 
Jonah, knowing this, did not want to go to Nineveh because they were enemies of his, enemies that he viewed as so wicked and evil that they should not be spared for any reason. The Assyrians were a ruthless nation, bent on world conquest, and had long been a threat to Israel. So when God sent Jonah there as a missionary to the capital, Nineveh, the prophet refused to go. It was not that he was scared. He just did not like the Assyrians. Jonah chapter number four and verse two reveals the reason that he fled. It says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. He wanted the Assyrians to pay for all they had done. Jonah knew that preaching repentance would avert from Nineveh the destruction with which it was threatened by God. In other words, Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. Jonah didn't want God's mercy extended to Israel's enemies. Jonah's state of mind reflected the general state of mind of Israel toward the Gentiles. Jonah finally repents before God. And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah the second time, telling him to arise and go to Nineveh. And I want you to notice how Jonah responded. Jonah obeyed the command of God, and he went to Nineveh, and he obeyed the word of God, and he preached repentance to Nineveh. And the Assyrians repented, and their destruction was prevented. But Jonah, how did he respond to the Assyrians' obeying the word of God and repenting. Was he excited? Did he rejoice with them that God had done a great work and brought this people in that had been idolatrous into the faith? No. The Bible tells us in the book of Jonah, chapter number four, that Jonah was displeased exceedingly, and he was very angry. He did not want the people to repent. He wanted the Assyrians to pay. The book of Jonah is not a story about a man that runs from God, ends up in the belly of a great fish, and then is spit out and goes and follows the plan of God. It's much deeper than that. The book of Jonah is about God moving our perception toward other people. It reveals that all of us struggle between how we see people and how God sees them. In our New Testament example, we can look at Samaria. During biblical times, the Jews despised the Samaritans. Samaria is located between Judea and Galilee, which means the Jews had to travel between those two. The reason that they did not like the Samaritans was because Israel while in Babylonian captivity, the Samaritans had moved in to part of their land. The Samaritans also stood in opposition when Nehemiah began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. During the time of Jesus, most Jews would not even travel through Samaria, choosing rather to extend their journey by several days just to avoid any contact with the Samaritans. Mons's complete expository dictionary of the Bible states the Jews used the word Samaritan as a derogatory term of reproach and contempt. 
Jesus provides us powerful lesson in John chapter 4, verse number 3. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now, in the time of Jesus, he could have spent multiple days doing as most other Jews did and go around. But the Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria. So his journey would take him through. He went the shorter route, but he went there for a reason. He had a purpose. He didn't want to go around. He wanted to go through. So why did Jesus want to go through Samaria? There's three quick reasons. One, to reach a lost lady at Jacob's well. Number two, to reveal the spiritual transition of the hour cometh to now is. And number three, to teach us to see people through his eyes and not through our learned biases. The Samaritan woman was living, um, let's just say, a complicated life. She had five husbands, and the man she was living with wasn't one of them. And because of this shame, she was drawing water when the other women were not present at the well. But I want you to notice something. Jesus did not judge her value based on her nationality, failed marriages, or current struggles. He saw something else in her. Jesus is teaching us to see others by the value that he sees in them. I find it interesting that when a scholarly lawyer came and questioned Jesus in Luke chapter number 10, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? Have you read the law? And he answered, saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy might, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus responds with a parable that must have been shocking to the cultural mindset of this Jewish lawyer, because he tells the story of the good Samaritan. For a man went on a journey, and while he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves and was stripped of his raiment and wounded and departed and left half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. See, these parables have a much deeper context than we may realize. The idea of a good Samaritan to this Jewish lawyer, was a foreign concept. The Lord is telling him, you must see others as I see them. 
God is moving us to a place that we go beyond just reaching people that we are the most comfortable around. Certainly, we are more comfortable around people that have our same ideas, our same background, our same traditions. But the Lord is saying, I want you to view others through my eyes and see that I love them and gave my life for them. I want you to notice what Jesus said in Acts chapter number one and verse number eight. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth, Samaria. Jesus tells his followers to go to Samaria. While this text is very familiar to us, if we really understand the background of the text, we know that when he told them to go to Samaria, he was telling them to go to a place to reach a people, to view a people completely different to trade in their preconceived learned biases and begin to look at those that lived in Samaria through his eyes. Jesus is telling his followers, I'm calling you to reach people that you were raised to not like. The people that don't look like us the people that don't have the same worldview as we have. God help us not to have eyes to see, but not see as Jesus sees. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for a man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I may see them as homeless or an addict, a different skin tone. I may see them as a certain nationality or a certain political view, but God sees them as one he endured stripes for, one he was mocked for, God sees them as one he bore the crown of thorns for, one that he bled and died for. God sees them as one he rose again for, a wayward child. He sees them through the eyes of a loving father that while they can admit their child has gone astray, still loves them deeply and wants to see them helped. David's father saw him as a child. Saul saw him as an inexperienced youth. Goliath saw him as just a youth, but God saw him as a king. Many saw Saul as the persecutor of the church, but God saw Paul, the great missionary and writer of the New Testament. I want to see others as Jesus sees them. I want to look through the lens of grace and mercy. I want to look through the lens of the Lord who laid down his life willingly that all could come to him. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that every nation, every tribe and tongue will be represented before the throne. That means that 
There is none that the Lord does not love. You are chosen by God. This world wants to divide us and cause us to live in fear. But when we begin to see through the eyes of the Lord, we will recognize that all men were created by God for his purpose and that he loves them just as he loves us. And we should see them through the eyes of God's grace just as God saw us through the eyes of his mercy. And as has become our tradition here at the Building Great Lives podcast, I want to pray for you, listener. I want to pray that the Lord would help both of us, that he would open our eyes that we could see as he sees. Lord, I pray that you would remove the scales from our eyes, that we would begin to see the kingdom culture that we've been born again into, that it becomes how we view others more so than this earthly culture that we have been born into. And Lord, help me that when I see others, even those that don't look like me or think like me, help me, Lord, to first see them through the eyes of your mercy because they are a wayward child that you gave your life for. Change our mindset. Help us, Lord, to see others as you see them. This will lead us to travail for the lost and reach for those that have need, even beyond our comfort zone and people beyond those that we are traditionally used to being around. Help us, Lord, to see as you see. And as always, thank you so much for listening. In the meantime, please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, maybe text them the link or share it on your social. You can find me on social at Trent Gillum, on Instagram at Rev Gillum. You can also reach me at Building Great Lives Podcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, let's keep building. You've been listening to the Building Great Lives podcast, a member of the Real Life Church Network. Join us next time as we dig deeper into life's most challenging questions.